Kennedy Paradox, Chapter 15. Aboard the wrecks off Key Biscayne Island, Miami, Florida, Thursday, March 2nd, 1961, 9.06 p.m. Under the sooty smokestack on the wrecks' deck, prickly metal cranes for unloading supplies reached like the antennas into the sky. Concoction of spent diesel fuel and salty mist mixed with the warm sea air. Patch stood against a painted steel railing. He gazed across the sparkling silver ocean and white sand beaches to the south of the high-rises. The hum of the ship's engines made it difficult to hear anything. The Gabe Patch and Cade Army issued fatigues and matching baseball caps. Mankiewicz wore his windbreaker and cockies. Sunglasses issued to them by Savage when they boarded at the dock north of Miami reduced the glare on the water. The green and white flag flapped in the wind above him. It's not an American flag, Ray. Liberian. Ray, who are Bart Vanderborn and a guy named Will? Mineral traders out of a warehouse in Stark Island, not the Key West. Supposed to be exploring for oil off the dry Tortugas. It's a CIA warehouse controlled by them to run arms to Cuba. Their boss is Anthony Poncha, said Mankiewicz, pointing to the island ahead. I'd like to retire someday right there. Spacious houses with sleek boats docked out front line the ocean. What island is it? Kibiskane. There's a beautiful golf course right down there before the bridge. Believe it or not, I played a round of golf with Eisenhower six years ago in September. Patch lowered his sunglasses. Just you and Eisenhower? Okay, I was a part of the group, but I did talk to me. He looked over at Kate in the chair. About your work? Mankiewicz smiled and lit a cigar. No, he asked me how I'd play the next shot. Were you that good at golf? I stink. Puffed on the cigar as the engine revved and they moved diagonally away from the island. Patch, he was in a sand trap and I told him just to whack the ball. And he thought I was a golf pro. Real pro comes by and tells the president he's the pro. Ike glances back at me and I slink back into the crowd. Patch held the rail and laughed as he leaned back. Well, it sure as hell wasn't funny at the time. So what should you do to hit out of a sand trap? I'll never forget what the pro said. Take an open stance. The face of the sand wedge should be pronounced when it makes contact with the sand and then the ball. He told the president to loosen the lead hand. Let the club do the work, Mr. President. You just wanted to whack the ball. What the hell do I know, Patch? Then you guide the club and hit it two to three inches behind the ball, and then whack it when you make contact, and follow through. Then you were right. Yeah, except Ike would have smacked it further in the sand. He actually shot it onto the fairway. It wasn't too much longer he had that heart attack. At the Cherry Hills Country Club in New Jersey. With my luck, he would have whacked the ball and keeled over, and they would have put me in the Hooskow. Patch smiled and shook his head as he stared out into the open ocean. You know, the odds are we're not going to spot Higgins. He could leave at any time during the next few days. We're not the only vessel out here, Patch. They have choppers in the air and I think the Coast Guard. Inside the bridge, rising from the center boat, Savage paced behind the slanted windows. Patch studied the older vessel, piloted by a wrinkled-browed, scruffy, dark-haired Cuban named Bayo. Cuban named Enrique Lopez stood guard with a machine gun on the bridge. Zamka, outside the door where Dan Preslin had interrogated Patch, stood on the bridge with Bayo. Some of the men from the motel 
as well as other American soldiers, were aboard the aft end of the ship. Half an hour ago, Patch spoke with one of them, Orlando Ortiz, an older Cuban with a violent hatred of Castro and communists. He said he relocated to Miami after Castro gained power two years ago. Several times he asked Patch for more information. When Patch assured the Cuban that he had told the truth, the man shook his head and said that Bale would leave the bridge and blow his head off. Thin-framed soldier with a hint of mustache smoked a cigarette as he approached Patch and Mankiewicz along the outside. So you are the time traveling guy. Patch studied his beady eyes. Captain Kincaid. Yeah, and I'm Blackbeard the Pirate. Don't you know how close you are to Davy Jones's locker, Kincaid? Doesn't have to answer your crap, Corbett, said Mankiewicz. Then how does he know about Intercept? I have no idea what you're talking about, said Patch. He pushed Patch back. Intercept doesn't like you. Patch pretended to fall to the right, but swung his foot squarely into Corbett's groin. Corbett wrenched in pain and fell flat on the deck boards. Patch picked up the gun. I don't know what the hell Intercept is. Wearing reflective sunglasses, Zamka descended the stairs as Patch threw the rifle on the deck. What's going on here? You have a hot shot here who likes to harass people. He doesn't look too hot right now, said Zamka. Dusted his sunglasses and laughed. Get your ass off the deck, Corbett. Corbett never looked back at Patch. Kate stepped closer. Are you all right, Patch? Patch noted Zamka's orange windbreaker ruffled like the faded flag on the mast above. Patch, let's talk. Sure. Other vessels, including red and white Coast Guard boats, swam past the breakers and farther out to sea. Your friend Higgins has been under surveillance by the FBI for the last few months. It was purely routine. Patch shrugged his shoulders. Why? Seems as though Higgins was working on refining nuclear warheads for intercontinental ballistic missiles. I just received permission to speak to you about it. Zamka grinned as Patch turned toward Mankiewicz. You, Ray, you made it seem as if Higgins was some kind of moron. You are in serious trouble, said Zamka, the deck reflecting in his sunglasses. I'm aware of that. Then I suggest you please let us know how you obtained your knowledge of Higgins' defection. Zamka put his hand slowly on Patch's shoulder as the engines grinded in the ocean breeze. Patch, you're among friends here. No one is going to injure you or Kate. I think you can understand the importance of assembling a schematic of the organization that fed you your information. There's no need to use the time travel cover anymore. Patch put his arm around Kate as the boat rolled over the waves and another plane buzzed overhead. He fully realized the magnitude of his predicament. Look, I could make up some story, Mr. Zimka. 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 But I don't belong to any organization. He's telling the truth, said Kate. Patch went over the whole 1986 project with Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz shook his head. Well, that's true, but... Sector 13. We all know the story. Obviously, you're a physicist of some kind. We've verified that part of your story. Look, I don't know how long I can hold off certain people. You mean Knight and Ashkim up in Virginia? These members of Intercept, the Exiles and the others. They don't want a security leak like what happened with Ramon. How did security break down? asked Mankiewicz. Ramon told several exiles that he was transporting Johnny Rosselli from Los Angeles. Now why would he say that? That was the cover, Ray, but Rosselli has a lot of enemies. Well, that's true. I won't repeat my story, said Patch, but I will say that if we find Higgins, you'll know I was telling the truth. 
Oh, really? All it means is you knew he was going to defect. For whatever reason, I need more information. The information, Diego, is my only security. You may be right. He turned, but then he stopped and yelled back as the boat hit a few waves. You took Corbett down quick. That's in your favor. We admire that. Big Pine Key, Florida Keys, Thursday, March 2nd, 1961, 3.14 p.m. The afternoon sun brightened the ocean 360 degrees around the weather-worn boat. A soldier with short hair and a civil voice approached them from the rear of the ship. Name's Donnelly. Uh, I've been informed, Captain. There's chow down below if you want to have supper. Thanks, said Patch, binoculars hanging around his neck. You guys didn't see anyone. Oh, we saw things, sir. Real fishing boats, rafts, commercial liners, tankers. But no physics, Professor. Now nah, we didn't see anything either. Tomorrow's another day. Enjoy your show. He saluted and headed back below the bridge. Patch looked at Kate and led her toward the doors to the stairs below. They're not going to be happy if we don't find Higgins. They have to be reasonable, Patch. It's only been one day of searching. He pushed both doors and they started down the narrow white stairs. These people don't have to be reasonable. They're far from reasonable. The small galley's yellow painted walls needed cleaning. Stainless steel cabinets and counters were securely attached for the sea voyages. Patch spotted the bread next to the refrigerator box. He spent the next few minutes making ham and cheese sandwiches. They grabbed cups of coffee from the silver urn to the right and sat down at the stainless table. What about retrograde, Patch? Patch sipped the bitter coffee. Impossible to calculate. She closed her eyes. I wish I could tell him the rest. He pushed his teeth into the sandwich. We have to find Higgins, Kate. What Higgins did was a part of history in our time, she said as she winced from the coffee. What putrid coffee. Not like Golden Gate Park, is it, Katie? Just the fact we're together is good enough for me. As she placed her hand over his, Savage appeared at the door with the dark-skinned Cuban and Corbett. Well, isn't that a touching scene, gentlemen? Said Savage as he wandered ahead of the other men with a rifle strapped to his shoulder. Patch stood and faced the soldier. What's this all about? You and your story are bogus, Captain Sci-Fi. Corbett raced around and placed his rifle barrel to Patch's head as Diego appeared at the door. Come with me, Miss Landers. Patch, do something, said Kate. Patch held her wrist. Zamka escorted Kate across the deck. Okay, Savage, what is it you want? Savage's almond eyes heightened like a perturbed reptile when angered. He removed a serrated knife from its leather sheath and approached with an odd grin. You tell me right now who clued you in about Higgins. Patch furrowed his brow and studied the serrated blade. Then he stared at the beady sweat on Savage's potmarked forehead. I told you, Mankiewicz. I don't like liars, sci-fi. He nodded at the nervous Bale. The Bale snapped a cold metal handcuff on Patch's left wrist. Savage pushed him back. Patch leaped forward and Corbett swung the rifle against Patch's temple. Partially conscious, he sensed being dragged across the galley floor. They snapped the other handcuff around a metal pipe. Savage backhanded his cheek and then smacked his head. The truth, Kincaid, who sent you here? I have nothing to say. What do you know about Puerto Quintus? Have you ever been there, Kincaid? Tell me. Patch turned and smiled. Screw you. Savage grabbed a metal container and slammed it into Patch's head. 
Hatch fell to his knees and his body, connected by the cuffs, rotated around the pipe as he quickly lost consciousness. The outside light had diminished. His skull ached and the handcuffs remained tight around his wrist. He felt an oozy wound on his shoulder, probably from Savage's knife, and his kneecaps were bruised. The blood smeared over the metal floor looked like the drippings from a can of spilled deck paint. Flashing red boat lights alternately covered the walls. The boat rocked more than it had earlier. He heard beeping and the distant conversation on the shortwave. Savage! The wind formed a whirling eddy outside as the waves hit the hull with a thud. He closed his eyes, fearful that Higgins not appearing might cost him his life. His heart beat loud enough to be audible in his ears, and he heard the coarse working of his lungs drawing in air. The sharp crack of boots against the decking got louder. Bard rested his rifle across his arms and set the chrome flashlight on the counter. Then he placed the rifle diagonal against the counter and walked closer. I apologize for you getting roughed up. He unlocked the handcuffs. Patch moved his fingers and stretched out his arms. That little bastard is a brave man with a gun. The other two guys, I'll kill him if I get the chance. The soldier kept a stolen composure. He had no orders to do what he did, Captain. I will see that he is personally reprimanded. Sometimes he oversteps his authority. My head feels as if I was hit with the smokestack. Brad looked closer with the flashlight. Well, have that looked at. Patch nodded. I've told the truth, Bart. Bart opened his mouth to speak, but held back. My fiance, where is she? Is she all right? I can assure you, Patch, that no one has touched her. She'll be brought back to the mainland on another vessel. Patch held onto the pipe. His entire body throbbed. Don't suppose I can verify that? No, you can't. Are we headed back to Miami? No. We're proceeding to an operational base in the Keys for the night. There's a cabin off the bridge where you asleep. We'll get you some food before that. There's a shower and a bath up there, too. My story's not going to change, Bart. Bart sat on the edge of the counter. I care about one thing, Higgins. I don't want him going over to the Reds. They're doing it in Cuba like they did in Laos. The North Vietnamese Army established Enclave 959, ran it all out of Hanoi to help the path at Lao. Castro's of the same ilk, Captain. I don't know who the hell you really are or what your game is, but I have to tell you that if Higgins doesn't show up soon, they will kill you and dump your body in for shark food. Do you have any ice? asked Patch, more concerned about his immediate injuries. Bart leaned forward and checked his eyes. I can get you some ice upstairs. This Cuban thing has lots of players. It seems almost insurmountable. Well, that's an understatement. I was in Normandy, Patch. Things were up front then. We never thought we'd take Berlin, but then the Battle of the Bulge and later Berlin. You have to look at things in increments. Get through each increment and the long term will take care of itself. Listen, Bart. I do have the names of terrorists who carried out the future attacks. You wouldn't care to share those names, would you? I will when we find Higgins. He held his hand on the base of his spine and stretched. Right now, those names are keeping me alive. No patch? As the senior officer aboard this ship, before I return to the Gulf, 
I am the one keeping you alive. Big Pine Key, Florida Keys, Thursday, March 2nd, 1961, 7.45 p.m. Patches, cheekbones, and back still throbbed, but the shower soothed his wounds. Dinner awaited him outside the cramped cabin. Through the portal, he observed a small fleet and a buzz of activity on the island key south of Miami. In the mirror, the swelling partially obscured his right eye. Given the opportunity, he would kill Savage. With a knock on the cabin door, he prepared himself for yet another confrontation. Bart stood at ease in a smaller gallery, checked Patch's eye. I can get you medical attention for your head this evening. We have personnel here who can attend to it. I'm okay. We're savage. I'm not at liberty to say. Emotion patched to a dinner of meat, potatoes, and green beans spread across the metal table bolted to the floor. Men like Savage can cost a mission. Mean Puerto Quintes? Bart did not respond to what Savage had asked Patch. Coffee? Sure. Bart poured the coffee from a blue metal pot. Tell me what you know about El Barbudo. What is that? asked Patch as he sprinkled sugar and solid creamer into the metal coffee mug. El Barbudo is Castro. Brad smiled and Patch drank the lukewarm black coffee. Castro should never have controlled Cuba. True, said Bart as he straddled the bench. Continuously scanned Patch for any change in his demeanor or facial expression. The SOB should not be in power. When this so-called revolution started, Castro and his boat, the Grandma, ran aground in a mud bank in the Oriente province. No radar and a 62-foot yacht. El Barbuto fell overboard. What a joke. Batista brought in the B-26s. Only 12 out of 83 of Castro's men remain in the Sierra Maestra Mountains. Sierra Maestra? Asked Patch, thinking back to what Mankiewicz had said about Carlos Sanchez. Ah, I may have struck a nerve, Captain. One of those men who was in the Sierra Maestra is one of the terrorists. In the future, said Bart with a hint of a grin. Patch sipped the coffee and then grabbed his fork. Mind if I have the chow? Go right ahead. Bart pressed his lips. Now you ain't gonna make me go to the telex and have Stebbins track down all the names of those men, are you? And then, I tell you, said Patch as he chewed the beef, and then my usefulness diminishes. You aren't as dumb as Kane and Choden thought. Right. Kane is flying in Colonel Kincaid from Japan. Patch's eyes watered at the thought of his father being alive in this time period. But he also wondered about Korbinski's view of time. Either you are very good or, or Colonel Kincaid is your father. He is. And you're telling me that you're the little kid, his son, as well as the adult, his son. My father died in 1979. Listen to me. John Kane developed that project your father's involved in. Well, that ups your importance. That project is classified. I'm wondering if the Russians sent you over here after Gary Powers was shot down. Dad told me when I was a kid, Eisenhower wanted to bring down Powers. Bart leaped to his feet and banged the table. Damn it, Patch, who the hell are you? That 1986 terrorist was in the mountains with Castro. Oh, he is the terrorist who engineered the plan to nuke American cities in 1986. Who is he, Kincaid? I'm not saying right now. 
but I do know what he plans to do. Bart sat down again. Tell me what you know about Trinidad. Pat shook his head and mixed the mashed potatoes with the beef. I don't know anything about Trinidad. Listen, Castro must be pretty clever and tough to have come to power. Obviously, from what I see, your guys are all revved up to take him out. Who are Ron Galbago and Che Guevara? Pat again shook his head. Not the 1986 terrorist. Fidel is lucky. He's a con artist, but a captivating speaker. Dictators usually are. This moron from the New York Times, Fidel brought him into the Sierra Maestra and bullshitted him about the strength of his forces and support for his revolution. This reporter then writes his story and then everyone knew who Castro was. I don't even think Batista knew who Castro was before the Times article. Who? Batista. Batista took over Cuba. He's a dictator from the 30s. The revolt of the sergeants? He was an influence for American interest. They had beautiful casinos in Havana Patch. 1986 terrorists killed somebody or maybe a bunch of organized crime leaders. What the hell are you talking about? You saying Fidel has sent people after Traficante and Giacana? Traficante was in a prison in Cuba, but he got out. All I'm saying is my future terrorist has his sights set on members of the Mafia or the intelligence agencies. Bart stared at Patch for a few seconds. Just tell me who the hell the terrorist is. I can't, but I will give you one connection from the future. Oh, who's that? You find him and you kill him because he helped bring the bombs in in 1986. Who's that? Antonio Cubello. Bart gawked at him. Okay. We'll check it out. Listen, tomorrow we're going to continue looking for Higgins. I just want you to know, Captain, this search is costing Uncle Sam big bucks. If Uncle Sam wants all his cities still standing in 1986, he'll spend the dough.